What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radalescu with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. As always, bringing you incredible guests from all over the world. So sit back, relax, and tune in. My next guest is a professional fitness coach. He's a men's discipleship leader who's passionate for seeing lives changed by Jesus Christ, a former football coach, and a beloved Marine Corps veteran that served in Desert Storm. Please welcome John Jarman. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, and and I appreciate that uh, great great, uh, introduction. So, Yeah. (laughs) Well, I thank you for your service. I can't say it enough. I know I said it when we jumped on to the recording Mm -hmm. um, before we started, but, um, you know, I think over the last couple of years, (laughs) we experienced something in our country that was kind of really disheartening for me personally, coming from a family with so many veterans that, you know, whenever I have an opportunity to say thank you, it's like, it means a lot, like it's coming from my soul, (laughs) you know? Because I talked to a lot of people like throughout COVID that, you know, had that are still serving and just like, you know, the feeling that they felt was not a great feeling. So, I yeah, and it it's it changed for a while during Desert Storm when the troops were coming back, because as I was picking troops up in California, we had to stop at all the parades that were, you know, people standing on the side of the roads. We had to stop and let them greet the servicemen. And mm-hmm. and I'll share one story real quick because you have such a touch with the veterans is one of the officers that was with us. He had served in Vietnam mm-hmm. and he when we were stopping at all these things and the people were cheering and, you know, giving them hugs and high fives. He started to cry yeah. because he goes, it wasn't like this when I came home from Nam. You know, and I think that's right after Desert Storm. And for a few years after that, you know, people really stood behind the military. And and I think it's fallen away a little bit now. So hopefully we can get back get our priorities and check people. Well, we got to take care of those veterans. Yes, absolutely. You know, and that's where I think where we as a country let down some of this is what the, you know, the veteran services and stuff like that. So my two veterans, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Uh, yeah. So my uncle served in Vietnam. Um, and I actually, um, one of my clients in is a podcaster. He is big into to supporting veteran based charities. And so one of the charities is against, you know, suicide awareness for veterans because right. it's, a big, it's a big thing. So yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm always trying to support where I can, but let's uh, switch gears here. Yeah. So you do a lot of things. So not only did you serve <laughs> our country, you are a football coach, but now you're a men's discipleship leader, which is huge. I am, you know, I'm a faithful woman myself and you're a, prof- a professional fitness coach. So uh, were you always into your faith or is this something that you got into when you came back from serving? Um, it actually started when I was serving. I didn't grow up in a Christian home or, you know, the only thing I knew about Christ or anything like that when I was a child is when I'd visit my grandmother in Arkansas, she always told me, she'd say, Johnny, God's got something special planned for you. And, you know, I just kind of like shrugged it off and laughed at her. But, you know, now I can, I know exactly what she was talking about. <laughs> and, you know, she was praying over myself and and my brothers the whole time she was alive. And so, um, but the first exposure to church was actually when I went to boot camp. The drill instructors came in and said, Hey, you can go to church. It's an hour free from us. And I went, sign me up. I'm going because yeah. just to get a break from them for, for an hour. Um, and I think that's where the seed was planted, but it didn't, you know, it didn't grow until I came home in 2007. Um, you know, I was involved when I was coaching, I was involved with fellowship of Christian athletes. So I was getting deeper, you know, and deeper, but it still wasn't what I needed. 
um, or where it was to be. Um, when I came home to Washington in 2007, um, I started seeing a destructive self-destruction pattern come back. And so I went to, I looked for a counselor and I started working with Christina Holland, my counselor, and we worked together for off and on 10 years. And then during that time, I also met my spiritual mentor, Scotty Kessler. And that's where things started to change the work with both of them. Um, and then my work with Scotty, I started getting deeper and deeper into the word. And then I actually enrolled in seminary school and I made hours shy of a master's of theology because I wanted to get deeper into the word. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually going to go back and finish those eight hours um, probably at the end of this year. So good for you. So yeah. what kind of um, destructive behaviors were you getting involved in? Just well, it, it just, you know, I had a tendency and I didn't realize this until then, but I had a tendency to, you know, get into a city, get a job, re, you know, like in my coaching career, rebuild the football team. And then I would do something that would force me to have to move, you know, I'd, and, I'd, you know, and I call them transgressions, you know, I made bad decisions and it forced me that I was, I, you know, had to go and, you know, I was walk, I was, claiming to be a Christian at that time, but I was still walking in darkness. And some of my old behaviors were still there because, you know, I grew up in a very violent, traumatic home, um, which caused me to put a armor on me and I didn't let people get close to me. That created pride and arrogance in me. And, you know, that's what I lived by for years and years. Um, and it caused a lot of pain, not only for me, but some people, you know, people I cared about and everything like that. So that was the tough part getting to where I am now. Cause I had to look back on all of that. I call it the self-examination of when you become a Christian and you start really looking into the deepest parts of your heart. Um, that's the messy side of Christianity because you see, you start to see what your sinful life was like and you have to accept it and you have to ask for forgiveness for it. Then you have to go see, seek forgiveness from other people. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes, so I, I too grew up in a, not such a stable home and, you know, I had some of those bad habits you know, in the way I expressed myself too. And so, you know, part of us growing and getting in touch with, you know, God and, you know, trying to find a better path for ourselves is, you know, I think that's part of our story and what absolutely the reason why we're here and we're having this conversation today. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you, your story can impact someone's life. So you, you, did you just get angry at other people or? Did oh, you- I had a, yeah, I had a really bad temper. Um, okay. You know, I, you know, I, I mean, I had an affair when I was married. It cost me my marriage, you know, and so, you know, it was just because my life when I was younger, it was about what John wanted and what John needed, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because I, you know, in high school, I started selling drugs because I needed money, Um, you know, and so that lasted up until I was 23. Um, New Year's Eve of 1987, I walked out of a party and I was like, I got to do something different with my life. And I, two days later, I walked into the Marine recruiting office and I said, how fast can you get me out of here? He said, did you commit a crime? I said, yeah, but I've never been caught. And two months later I was in boot camp. And so, you know, I told you when we were talking earlier that that that's probably saved my life because I'd probably be dead or in jail if I'd have stayed in that lifestyle. Um, and so, you know, that was God looking out for me, even though I didn't know who he was, um, and that's the way I see that now. And and that's what started the, the change in my life. Um, and, and it was the best thing I did. So that's amazing. So my cousin, he has something <clears throat> similar, but he was involved in, in like gangs and stuff. And so, yeah. he, you know, my aunt and uncle got him to like, you know, 
getting into the Marines ultimately is what saved his life. So right. I, I, I know something I personally didn't nothing for me, but his right. story is very similar to that. What would you say to someone that might be listening right now that might have a child that's going through something difficult or someone that is younger that's listening that might be going something similar and they don't know what to do. And maybe they, they, you know, they may not think that the, the military is good for them. What, what can, what would you tell them? If they're listening? Well, I used to tell my football players, if they didn't know what they want to do after high school, they should join the service. Uh, yeah. because it gives them four, you know, three squares a day, a roof over your head and a paycheck. And yeah. then you're going to get money to go to school if you decide to get out or you can make a career of it. And so, um, you know, if somebody was in trouble, the, you know, I, people ask me that question all the time. And the first thing I would say is you got to humble yourself and ask for help. Um, because a lot of people think that what they're going through, they're the only ones going through it. And then they're a little bit shameful to tell people what they're in. Um, and I think that prevent, prevents some people from getting help. And, and whether that help is a professional counselor or a spiritual mentor or whatever, you can't be afraid to raise the hand and find somebody that can guide you through it because you can't do it by yourself yeah. and and you're not going to be able to fix it. Um, and so you've got to, you got to find that person that, that that's a little more mature than you in Christ or that professional counselor or both. So, sure. yeah. There is help out there, you guys. So yep. you heard it here first. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so what got you into being a men's discipleship leader? Because that's a big responsibility. Well, it was my spiritual mentor because he discipled me. And oh, and okay. and yeah, because he and he has a 10 step. He calls it the big 10. And it's a 10 step process for discipleship. Um, uh, are you familiar with uh, Dr. Robert Coleman and the Master Plan of Evangelism, the book? Sounds familiar. Yeah, he so it sold millions of copies. So Robert Coleman is basically the father of discipleship, and my mentor was mentored by Mr. Oh, Coleman. Wow. Okay. And so I just I follow Scotty's plan, um, and I disciple people that are younger than me that want to be. You know, I vent them first because it's it's not easy work, and they have to be able to want to do the work. Um, and you know, then we set up Bible reading, prayer plans, how to teach them how to pray, all of that stuff. Because when people first come to Christ, they don't know how to do that. And yeah. so we we walk them through that process and we expect them to start discipling, you know, within two or three weeks of working with us, because now they're three weeks mature, there's going to be somebody that's less mature. So, I mean, Scotty's, Scotty's probably got 1500 people underneath him. Holy so, cow, that's a lot of yeah, people. Yeah. So if somebody's listening, like, okay, well, I, 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 I hear what he's saying, but what does does being a disciple mean? It it means you take time out of your day, um, and you set up prayer or uh, meetings with your disciples. Um, you teach, you know, you go through Bible reading with them. You go through prayer reading with them. We Scotty taught us a simple way to pray. Is it's called tacos. So it's Thanksgiving, adoration, others, confession, and then self. Okay. And so you pray about a minute in each of those segments and you let everybody pray because some people, when they first come to Christ, they don't know how to pray. They don't, they feel uncomfortable praying out loud. And mm -hmm. so you want them to to feel comfortable doing that. Um, and then, you know, you move on to, you know, reading a chapter a day and you, you each person reads a verse so that you, people can start learning how to read the Bible. And then you talk about the Bible, what you just read. And so it is a it's a time consuming job, um, and that's why it's it's tough. And you got to have people that are wanting to do it because you're giving up your time. Sure. And you don't want to give it up for nothing. So, but it's just really kind of spreading the word of God and and just yep. kind of trying to bring people into yep. you know saving them, bringing them into Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. The the Big Ten. I actually put it in my book, and and so it's in my book. And so you could, if you're interested in it, you can you know, get a copy of the book and look at it. It's a super simple, easy thing. So. Oh, and what's the name of your book? 
it's broken and redeemed finding freedom through complete surrender so i love the name yeah. why why broken and redeemed you know it just came to me in a prayer one session one morning and uh it's the finding freedom through complete surrender was my publisher's suggestion because it talks a little bit more about what the book is about um my initial title was broken and redeemed god is waiting for you because i felt he was waiting for me to do what i did for years yeah. and years and years yeah. and we actually kept that on the back cover of the book so it's it's still got on the title of the book so to speak so so if somebody's listening to this today and they're like, you know, they're interested that you you've kind of in interest them in wanting to start praying and they don't know where to start, what would be some like simple words of wisdom to help guide them down that path? Well, use tacos, what I just talked about, yeah. Thanksgiving, adoration, conf uh, others, confession and self, use that right. formula. And then prayer is a conversation just like you and I are having, you know, and, and people ask me all the time, well, God knows what you're going to say before you say it. And I'm like, yes, he does but he wants to hear you say it. Yeah. And so it's a conversation. And that's that's how I pray is it's simply just me talking to him in the morning. Um, and then I have things that I put in there because I have people, I have prayer requests from people. And so I run through my prayer requests and, and you know, then it's just a conversation. So yeah. no, I, well, I, I pray, you know, I'm always, I'm always praying. And I think that, you know, I was raised that way. And so for me, it's right. natural. And so right. I love having these conversations because sometimes people like shy away from that, the religion, well, you know, I'll, I'll put it simply that the, when I first joined with Scotty, when he started praying, I was like, I'm not saying a word, yeah. <laughs> you know, not because I was in, in, uh, intimidated. It was more, I can't believe he, you know, I don't, I'm never going to be able to pray like that. You know, and I started comparing it to him and, and you don't need to because your, your prayers, it's individual. And so, you know, don't be afraid and just, you know, but I think praying out loud is tough. And I think that's one of the things you need to do. Cause I, you know, I still pray out loud. I live by myself and I, and I'm on my knees and I'm praying out loud every morning. So that's beautiful. So my yeah. mother, my mother's always like, um, you know, and our, I have a very pretty large family. So my extended family, you know, we've like kind of all like been together our whole lives. And she's always been chosen to say the fan, the prayer at every like family dinner, you know, mm -hmm. and she's been and, and like, for me, like, I think it's such a beautiful thing that she's able to, to say those prayers out loud and to really kind of elevate the, the spirit in the room. And mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing, but it is scary to do because I've done it you know? Yeah. And even cause I pray, but I prayed by myself all the time, but when you're in that setting and you pray out loud, um, it's, it's a little, makes you a little vulnerable. Don't you think? It does. Yeah, it, it does. And, and I think it, it, you know, it's like public speaking or like when you started your podcast, you were nervous, no. <laughs> you know, and, and now you're a seasoned veterans, you know, and you, yeah. you just, it's a conversation. Um, you know, for me, it was like when I started coaching and I had to do radio interviews, you know, I, I did live radio interviews after football games and, you know, it taught me how to really pause and listen to the question and not speak right away. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you didn't say something stupid. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a that's a talent in itself, right there. <laughs> yes, yes. So. so, what is the different be difference between? Because I feel like it's a very there's some parallels there from being a coach, football coach versus being a discipleship leader. It, it, it's parallel. I mean, because you're teaching people discipline, you're teaching people how to, you know, you know, football. I'm teaching them how to tackle, run, throw, and catch. Here, I'm teaching them how to read, write, read, and prayer. You know, and and create a three minute testimony that they can t share about their life and you know then do a gospel presentation you know that's all part of the 10-step plan oh, wow. and so you know 
it's teaching. You know, I have a PE, te- I have a master's of PE. And so I've been teaching, I taught for 17 years. So teaching and coaching, I think are the same thing. It's just what you're using, the method you're using. So yeah. how long um, does it take someone to become a disciple? Well, to become a disciple or a discipleship leader? A disciple your disciple first and then a discipleship leader. Well, I think you become a disciple as soon as you, your mentor agrees to start discipling you. Oh, okay. um, and then for, for me, Scotty was like, I mean, we're four days into it and he goes, who are you discipling? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, cause he expected me to start finding somebody to disciple. Um, yeah. And he goes, if you have, if you come across anything that you can't handle, you just bring it to me in our meeting and I'll tell you, we'll talk through it and then we'll coach him through it. And that's, I still do that today. Um, you know, he, he moved, he used to live up here fairly close to me, but he's in Nebraska now and we still keep in touch. You know, we don't talk as much as we used to, um, but we still keep in contact and he, he checks in from time to time to make sure that everything is going well. So it's a commitment. Yeah, of course. Well, just like anything, you know, but I mean, the greatest commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. I mean, right before his ascension, that's what he told us to do. And so this is a calling that he's, you know, and, you know, two two years ago, I listened to the Holy Spirit and finished my book. And ever since then, I've been evangelizing and discipling. And if you'd have told me five years ago that I was going to be doing this, I would have laughed at you, mm-hmm. you know, because the book, I'd, I'd started the book in 2014 under the uh, suggestion of Christina, my counselor. And I wrote five chapters and then put it on a shelf from, stayed on the shelf till 2022. Wow. one and the holy spirit prompted me to finish writing it and i finished the book in four weeks it was Amazing. a spiritual dump i'm like so, just getting chills like all yeah. over you're telling me this like, yeah well and then here's the, the here's how god's hand was in it after i listened and obeyed is the book was finished in march of 2021 i was accepted to morgan james publishing september 2021 i had the first cop 500 copies of my book in my hand on march 4th of last year Wow. And it went into bookstores August of last year. Okay. And for that time frame to take place, there's no way it didn't have God's hands all over it. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, and it, all I can say is that, you know, I listened, I obeyed, and that's what took place. So I love it. I love so. it. Wow. I just, I just, I feel it. I feel how, <laughs> how beautiful that is. Right. Um, do you have, I mean, I know what you said about like what the what God's word is, but do you have a number? You said that uh, your your mentor had 1,500 people underneath of him, right? Isn't that what you said? Yeah. Do you have a number that you want? No, I don't. I, I don't have a number. It's just whoever God places in my life, you know, and and then, you know, I, I put him through the, you know, I, there's a little bit of vetting process and I don't, I don't make it easy on them because I want to make sure they're committed. So, you know, they have to get up with me at four in the morning and do some work because oh, wow. <laughs> that's when I do my stuff. And so, you know, if they're not committed, then they're not going to do that. And so, um, you know, I have a young lady, I disciple through Zoom calls and stuff because she doesn't live near me. She went to, she was a couple of years behind me in high school and she saw that I wrote a book and she got it. And she, I am me through Facebook and said, you know, Hey, this is where I'm at in my life. If I hadn't found your book, I was going to commit suicide. Oh, wow. Oh, and wow. so I'm discipling her and, you know, the book's brought her back to faith and she's, I mean, she's doing great. And I mean, it's amazing to see that change in her life. So yeah, for sure. That's yeah. Um, see, you save someone's life with your book. Yep. yep. It, it's a, like such an amazing thing. So if someone's listening to this and they're saying, you know what, I'm being called to the word of God and I want to work with John, where can they reach you and connect with you? 
my website would be the best place or my social media. It's uh, brokenandredeemed.com is my website. There's a submission page that you can do, or you can, you know, get me through Instagram at John underscore broken and redeemed. Um, send me a message and, you know, we can connect. Love it. Yeah. And you can also get the book on your website too, right? Correct. Or or anywhere books are sold. It's it, it's on eBooks. It's on Amazon. It's Barnes and Noble everywhere. So all the things you guys. So if you are interested and you are moved by his message and you want to learn more, either you are faith, but you believe in it, you have your faith or you are new to it. Do not hesitate to reach out to John, go purchase his book, go follow him on social media and don't be afraid to reach out because if you are listening to this and you're moved by the message, God is speaking through us to reach you and you are more than welcome to reach out to him and, and at least jump on a call or zoom or something. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, we are at the part of the show where I like to ask for last words of wisdom or advice. What would you like to leave with us today, John? You know, I'll target your male audience primarily and, and to get set down your pride, humble yourself and become vulnerable. Um, Because it wasn't until I did those things that I truly started to see the world in a different way and, and treat people differently. And, and so it's tougher for men, I think, because we're supposed to be tough and we're, you know, I mean, I'm a Marine and a football coach. I'm not supposed to need help. I'm not supposed to be vulnerable. Um, But vulnerability and humility actually gives you strength. And I think that's the tough message for men to hear. And I, that's what I would say to your male audience is, is be vulnerable, be humble, and you're going to see the strength start to show up. Amen. Amen to that. I really believe that 100%. And there is a there's some movement around that. I've, I've talked to a lot of men on my show that are supporting men and in, in helping them, coaching them into vulnerability because it allows them to actually show up better for themselves and for their family. So I, Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Well, John, thank you for the work that you do. I feel very blessed to have had this conversation with you and um, bring your message to our audience. So you know, we're going to keep praying together and, and keep uh, getting your disciples lined up for you. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on. It's been a great time. Thank you, John. All right, you guys, this is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, comment, share, follow all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.